Welcome to the Bear Hug Club, a pro wrestling podcast of positivity. everyone and welcome back to the Bear Hug Club podcast. As always, I am your host, Greg. Um, unfortunately, there's no Garrett this week, but ladies and gentlemen, he's finally back on the podcast. Jace is back. Hello, Jace. Hello, mate. How's it going? It's going well, pal. So how are you yourself? Um, as I'm sure our listeners know, you've recently become a dad for the first time, so that's why you've been absent for the last month. Um, how was all that going? I'm very tired. <laughs> you, you have no idea what sleep is anymore, I imagine. No. <laughs> you don't know the meaning of the word tired until <laughs> you have a kid I'm essentially for you there's just no more concept of time you're just basically awake there's no like actual sleep anymore <laughs> no I don't even know what day it is <laughs> for, for you like it, it, Christmas just didn't really happen <laughs> it no, was just another day ah <laughs> oh, super man I mean it's great to have you back but we are going to miss kind of burying you at the start of every podcast but <laughs> no it's, it's, it's always good to have you back um, so yeah Garrett's, Garrett's just away on this one we're, we're recording this one earlier than usual because um, I, I've got work scheduling conflicts when we usually would record um so we're just trying to get this one night out of the way soon get it uploaded for new year's day so hopefully when you're listening to this one it is the very first episode of 2021 so with that in mind we are basically going to be using this one to look back on the year that was 2020 which for i think i think speaking for the world mate it was pretty much a dumpster fire of a year would you agree <laughs> Well, that's putting it lightly. Yeah, that's like the lightest we can say. I mean, I think I think the one saving grace is that wrestling. Obviously, there'll be some things we'll get into. Like it was, it was hit hard by the thing, but that was the one kind of consistent thing where good stuff was still potentially happening. So yeah. for us, I mean, that meant we weren't stuck, we weren't bored during the pandemic. We at least had plenty to talk about and. We yeah. started a podcast out of it, so it's been we pretty did. good. So, yeah, like, we'll get on all that in a second, just get the few usual plugs out of the way. So if you want to find us on all the channels, we're at the Bear Hug Club podcast on Facebook and YouTube. Been a bit slow recently about trying to upload the newest videos, but I'll be hopefully getting through the backlog this week. Uh, Bear Hug Pod on Instagram, Bear Hug Club Twitter. Um, so, yeah, just give us a follow on all them, um, just to keep us up to date on what we're up to at the moment. Um a lot of good feedback regarding our quiz episode, which I was quite good at your miss, mate, because it was honestly one of the fun- funniest ones we've ever done, especially roping people in at the last minute. Did you get a chance to listen to it? I haven't had a chance to, I haven't had a chance to listen to anything. Oh, so you don't know who won the quiz then? No. <laughs> so um, you might say we got our good friends Oliver and Scott in, and yeah. uh, Oliver's, Oliver's a, like a fan of wrestling, but he's nowhere like where we are. And he, he came in thinking, you know what, I'll just do my best and just wing my way through. And he only went and bloody won the fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> and he is now officially our first ever Bear Hook Club champion. So <laughs> so I think 
like my thought on it is we probably do more quiz episodes quite regularly. Maybe make it a monthly thing yeah. for like we've at least got the defense because yeah. I love making them. They are just a really fun episode to do. But we're going to come up with other ways for like people defending the title. So I think we'll get into predictions for pay per views, stuff like that, and just come up with some fun ways to keep it, keep it, keep keep a nice contest going with ourselves and our larger family and friends who are involved with this podcast. So yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, but before we start, uh, obviously some major news that came out, um, I believe it was yesterday, as of this recording, was the sad passing of Brody Lee, uh, Jonathan Hubber. So this was a total shocker out of nowhere. I mean, the dude was only 41 and just hitting the stride in wrestling he should be. And the fact that he's been, he's gone at such a young age when things were like reaching a peak for him was just absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Again, like you said, forty-one. It's it's no age at all, is it? It's and like like you say, like he was just getting to that place in AW that a lot of people, myself included, think he should have been as Luke Harper in WWE. Yeah, hundred percent. Because that was the thing. Like even back in the day of WWE with the Wyatt family, obviously that was some tremendous work. Like I posted on our feed that. He was one of those people who can say more with a stare than he could ever could with words. And then, obviously, when he got to AEW, you could yeah. see he was a really gifted talker as well. But that was the big thing when the Wyatt family eventually ended, like the couple of times it did. He was just one of those people that WWE just had no plans for, despite the fact he was insanely gifted in the ring. And as we've seen for things like AEW, he's got a tremendous mind for promos, coming up with segments. I mean, when he arrived in AEW, I was excited, but I had no idea how much yeah. that would take off. Like, he took. The Dark Order, which was a fairly interesting group, but was kind of not going where it should, and pushed it to being one of the most top things you want you want to see on AEW Dynamite. And yeah. I mean, the matches he had, obviously, he, he was he made the main event fighting John Moxley for the belt. I think obviously the standout was his feud with Cody this year. I mean, yeah. squashing him in a few minutes to win the belt, and then obviously that sh- brutal strap match they had as well was just insane. <laughs> And I think it does, it's clear he must have had these health issues for a fair bit because it kind of, I was always shocked that he dropped the belt so soon, but the fact that he probably has had to do it because of these health reasons kind of makes a lot more sense. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's been insane to see the outpouring. It was clear he was a very beloved person in the business. Um, like, Twitter's just been non-stop with all the nice things said about him, about the kind of person he was. So it's definitely been a huge, tragic loss. And, I mean... It was it was a bit annoying to see the typical bullshit that comes out of this with like you know camp WWE versus camp AEW from the fans' perspective. But yeah. what was quite nice is that the actual main people like there was like a nice thing where WWE posted their remembrance and AEW just commented on it saying that they'll miss John. So that it kind of showed that there was at least a breakdown there of like them just working together trying to show you there can be synergy when something like this happens. Oh yeah, definitely. Like you don't you don't want people playing playing games when it's something this heartbreaking and serious where you say oh we're, we we were better you're better we're, it's, you just don't want to see it do you no no absolutely I mean there's a time and a place for this you know quote unquote rivalry between these two companies but when it comes to a down, down to like a talent that was pretty prominent in both companies the last decade or so 
it's good to see that they're both just putting that aside just to kind of show the man some respect and show that there can be some peace within this industry. So I just wish the fans would take more heed instead of trying to use it to push their agenda of which company they think's better because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. We're here to celebrate the life of a truly gifted performer who was taken away too soon. <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Like, and obviously our thoughts go out to his to his family and what else can you say? Yeah, I know, I know, hope man. They, hope they're coping as much as they can. Yeah, during yeah. this time, hundred percent, mate. So yeah, thoughts go out to family and friends, and I mean, they're getting really support as well. I mean, even CM Punk, I think, announced today that like all of his merch sales from the next month, he's donating the proceeds to his family just to make sure they've got some money to be taken care of. So yeah, again, it just shows like how much the guy was loved and the outpouring he's had and it's it's a tragedy i mean we've seen some pretty big losses in wrestling this year obviously a few months like a month or so ago we pat patterson left and we did a little thing for him there's like road warrior animal passed this year Uh, but at least with them they had long full careers you know fair enough animal was still only in its 60s so again it's that kind of thing of like wrestling still dying young but at least he had that career it's just when someone like Brody Lee and it was for something even not even wrestling related, it was just like a due to a lung disease, you know, it was it's just still such a big tragedy. So <clears throat> rest in peace, Brody Lee, you were a tremendous talent taken too soon. Um Absolutely. Yeah, man. So moving on to uh, the sort of happy thing. So yeah, like I was saying, it's gonna just be a nice little overview of what we thought of the year. That was twenty twenty. As we said, I mean, it's been an absolute fire of a year for, like, everything across the board, but at least wrestling's tried to keep itself, like, like a nice distraction for people, and there's still been... You've seen it and heard it that they've obviously held a lot back from what they probably wanted to do this year, waiting for those times when they could have the crowd there just to get those reactions, because, I mean, the big thing that's been a bit of a challenge with wrestling this year is the fact there's been no crowds, wouldn't you agree? Oh, yes, definitely, like... But the, the obviously not having a crowd is difficult because wrestling is a spectator event. Yeah. But not having the crowds there, some of the some of the guys like uh, Jericho has mentioned it. Um, I don't think he's mentioned it this year, but he's mentioned it previously that he paces his matches based on the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Which I think there'll be a lot of guys who do that, a lot of women as well, who do that and. Now they can't, so their matches aren't as fluid as they as they should be. So I think the quality of wrestling, even though we've had some fantastic matches, the quality's sort of dropped a bit because they haven't had that energy to bounce off from the crowds. Yeah, I agree, man. I think it's been, I suppose, for the one on the one hand, they've they've had some experience with this i mean you hear every wrestler tell a story about when they broke into the business that they essentially started off wrestling in front of no fans so i think there was at least that sort of part of them that could adapt to it as best as they could but i think you are right um i'd still say we've got some absolutely top caliber matches which we'll get into in a second um but yeah i i think i think everyone agrees that the big thing we hope is that crowds will hopefully return in 2021 i mean we've been slowly seeing them trickle in as long as it's safely done I'm happy with it. I think I think I've kind of almost gotten used to the fact there's no crowds now. Um, even like that daft 
Thunderdome thing, you know. But <laughs> at least they yeah. tried to, to have something there. And even though they've had the piping sound, there was at least a little element there. But, I mean, other than that, like I said, it's still been a pretty stellar year. So I've got my overall favourite match picked out, which I'll go through at the end. But um, just to kind of go through some stuff that was on my list this year, um, I think one of the first standout matches for me this year was obviously the Royal Rumble match this year, for the, particularly the men's one. Um, yes. I'd say this has been one of the more stronger Royal Rumbles we've had in the last few years. I mean, I'd, I'd go as far as to say there isn't really a bad Royal Rumble match, with the exception being obviously the one that Batista won a few years back, but that was mainly just because the man everyone sh- believes should have won didn't win. Um, he went out early. No, no, he wasn't even in that one. It's the one with Batista. Brian oh. wasn't even in it. He oh, was, yeah. He wrestled yeah, yeah, yeah. Bray on the card, and everyone thought he was going to come out at number 30. Uh, then Mysterio came out and got absolutely booed <laughs> booed um, we're all getting booed I know right <laughs> um, but yeah this was a stellar one I mean it, it, it could have been an interesting one because obviously it was announced before and Brock was going in first and I thought as WWE I, champion yeah exactly and I thought oh, this could either be really good or really bad because it's clear they're just going to have him dominate for like when he's going to be in there but it was really entertaining and just watching the like back and forth he had with the few people he did interact with. Um, yeah. particular particular moment is when Keith Lee comes out and he just you see a mouth for Big Boy. <laughs> I was just about to say Keith Lee because um, hasn't Lesnar said that now because of that spot in the Rumble he mm-hmm. wants to do a program with Keith Lee. I'm um, sure I'm, I've heard that. I'm I've not sure, I'm sure I've heard that myself, but I mean it stands to reason. It seems like. Keith Lee's one of those people Brock, Brock Lesnar could have a really good match with, especially when you add Brock's just pure strength and might against Keith Lee's own strength, but his agility as well. It could end yeah. up being one hell of a big man match. Um, and then I think for me, I mean, the, the two standout moments is obviously Drew eventually claymoring Lesnar over the top rope, which had one of the most insane crowd pops ever. But then it was yeah. slightly pipped a few um, entrants later when Edge returned, which... Yes, Edge's return. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was somewhat teased and spoiled, and I mean, he did his best to kind of deny the fact he was going to be there, but I, like a lot of people kind of assumed he would, but it still didn't take away from that insane reaction he got when he returned. I remember watching it with a bunch of friends, and we all basically leapt out of our seat and cheered when he came in at the number 22 spot. Yeah, I, re- I remember watching. I, I, like, I still, I actually watched that clip of Edge coming out about a week ago, and I still get goosebumps. Oh, same, it. it was just that, that such a, an emotional moment of 10 years of Edge being gone, mm-hmm. and then you just hear Alterbridge. <laughs> and you just oh my god this is actually happening yeah yeah the radar I our superstar is back I agree mate um I get I was the same I, I watched so I was um I was working Christmas Eve and obviously it was pretty quiet work so I was just watching stuff like in between that and I had the rumble match on before I finished my shift and yeah watching it back it's still just proper gives you the good feels watching him come back and what was was amazing as well like he looks like he's in the best shape of his career um and shredded oh he's shredded like he's basically not let retirement slow him down he's basically worked hard and the fact was it didn't feel like he missed the beat getting back in the ring you know what i mean like as soon as you saw him in there he was like okay this looks like a guy who is ready to go again and we saw that through his other match at the air fair enough the program with randy had its highs and lows like 
Say what you want. I mean, this is a match I would have put on here. I think a lot of people would have put it high, put it on the list if it wasn't for the fact it was billed as the world's greatest wrestling match. Because it was actually a solid match. It was the fact, like, you you put any... You could put any wrestlers and put that as the headline, and it's gonna not. It's gonna ruin the match essentially. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Yeah. You, you could you, put like say my favorite match ever, Shawn Michaels Undertaker WrestleMania twenty six. But if you build that as the greatest match ever, mm-hmm. it's not. It's not gonna meet expectations. No, no. It's like it's why you don't see like films or TV say this is the greatest film of all time because people are going to go in expecting it and their expectations are never going to be met. I mean, yeah. if if they had just never said that about the Edge and Orton match and just told them in secret to go out there and have that kind of five star classic, it would have probably been a lot higher on people's list because people probably wouldn't have oh, expected yeah, definitely. it. But it is what it is. Um, uh, just kind of fly through a few of mine. We'll get to yours. Um. One match I had on my list, which seems a lot of people did forget about, was Tyler Bate versus Jordan Devlin, which was right back at the start. Yeah, I believe that was at Blackpool 2. Um, oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. This was like one of the first matches that happened in the year, and it got heaps of praise, and deservedly so. I mean, it's two of the youngest talents, two of the hottest youngest talents WWE has at the moment. Just going out there and proving why they're potentially going to be some of the big stars of the business in the future. Um, and it's, it seems like it's missing off a lot of people's lists as it goes through the year because I've been I was looking through a few other people's stuff like online just to see what the general consensus was as I was writing mine down but this one seems to be missing I feel like that's a bit unjust because it is like that was a tremendous match um before I go over a few more mine have you got any you want to mention uh, one that, like the one that sp- comes to my mind straight away is Bailey and Sasha Hell in a Cell uh, that was just like for me that was because we'd had these matches, this feud between Sasha and Bailey had been building for what th- three years now. Yeah, just uh, maybe longer. I mean, if you're yeah. taking the NXT stuff as well, it's definitely a longer. No, just on just on the main roster when they became like okay. a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been building, and we'd had the odd moment where it was like, "Oh, here's it's going to go, it's going to go," and I really wanted Sasha to be the one that turned. Yeah, but then. When, since Bailey turned heel, I've just been no keep Bailey heel. She is fantastic, and this match just three. It's almost like three years of lost expect like expectation mm-hmm. and disappointment of oh they're gonna pull the trigger no they're not, and it's just this match just blew everything sky high and just proves that they can't. These two women have such good chemistry in the ring. I mean, you knew that from NXT. Yeah. But add that Hell in a Cell X Factor and just unreal. Yeah, I agree, man. Can't, can't praise them two women enough. 100%. Um, for me, this was surprisingly the only women's match I could really pick out as being one I'd put on as my favourites from the year. Um <clears throat> I feel like, again, we've discussed, like, women's wrestling on the whole is obviously a lot healthier than it has been ever, like, across the world. Like, WWE is obviously pushing it more, like, actually how they should. AEW's got a strong division, but it needs to work on it. But I just feel like this year there's not been many standout women's matches for myself, like, to look back on. I think AEW did have a few standout ones, but the fact that there was not much of a story behind them kind of, like, keeps them off the list for me a bit. If you look at the work rate, then fair enough, but like I'd say Bailey and Sasha's probably is the most standout women's match from this year. Like, one I will say, one women, other women's match I will say, just because it was 
it wasn't technically a, a wrestling match, but mm-hmm. the money in the bank. Yeah, I mean, in the, so th- in the corporate headquarters, like both match, both matches, the men's and the women's, even though they were happening simultaneously. Yeah, they were both fantastic. Just fun, s- silly spots. The uh, having different briefcases in different rooms, one of them full of money instead of the <laughs> actual contract. Just, just fun matches. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, a lot of people really don't like this year's Money in the Bank ladder match, and I can completely understand. It is, it is basically a clusterfuck. But I kind of like it for that reason. Like I watched it and was just laughing my ass off and thought it was entertaining so, yeah. as hell. And that's, I mean, because like we'll get to. I've kind of left just discussing cinematic matches in general as a highlight from the year when we get to those. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, generally, like. I just thought it was a fun match. I mean, in a year where everything's very serious across the board, it was just nice for them to put in a match that was really just a bit lighthearted, a bit of fun, and just some standout moments. I mean, the the moment where Brian and AJ wrestle into Vince's office and just look like yeah. two scared schoolboys. <laughs> it was really good for me. Start, and... ar- start arguing outside saying, why'd you go in there? Yeah. <laughs> so there's just funny things like that. I mean, people can take it far too seriously. I thought... It was just really yeah, funny, yeah, and and even and even even like the ending with Otis fumbling a win, you know, it is what it is. Obviously, I think no one saw him ever cashing in to win the belt. I think it was obviously Vince just high on the character and thinking that was going to be funny. I don't yeah. mind that so much. I mean, not every Money in the Bank winner can be a winner, if that makes sense. So, yeah. I think I think it was a nice little thing, and it was something different, and it was something unique, and they, they made the best out of it, that kind of situation. Um, sort of sticking on to sort of cinematic matches, I'd say, flying through, I'd say the two main ones that stood out for me were obviously the Firefly Funhouse, Boneyard Match, and then Stadium Stampede. So they're the three, I'd think, were the ones that made the most of it. Stadium Stampede is along the same lines as Money in the Bank. It was just a really fun little cinematic match. um, It was just full of ridiculous and funny spots. I mean, Matt Jackson hitting a looping suplex on Sammy Guevara across an entire football field. (laughs) Kind of says it all, really. Um, And then Matt Hardy breaking out every version of himself in the match on top of that. The whole thing was just ridiculous, but that's wrestling you know it, you, you you take the silly with the serious and you have a good time with it oh yeah I, i'd probably agree with you uh firefly firefly funhouse and the boneyard match and then uh, stadium stampede just d- doing doing what they can with when i first when i first heard about the boneyard match i thought oh this is going to be a bit final deletion-y yeah, which it wasn't. It was in a sense, but it was more serious. Return of Biker Taker. Well, it was like a return of like all of his characters. Really, there was like Biker for the most part, but you had the elements of the Dead Man. It was kind of what I liked about it is that if this is Taker's final match, fair enough. I think people wanted to see him in an actual wrestling match, but this kind of allowed him to still go out looking like a million dollars he didn't look all yeah. haggard they could work around his issues and it was like a nice sort of amalgamation of all of his different characters and tropes put into one match if you like so yeah. it was a fit and send off absolutely um but i think i think probably stand out for a lot of people was the firefly funhouse match i mean the fact that wwe let clearly let bray wyatt have such control over that match and allowed to sort of tell the story that he did like basically pointing out 
how aware they are of like what happened to his character, like how much John Cena dominated for most of his career. It was very much like a breaking of the fourth wall, which I, like we hadn't really seen before. With WWE kind of acknowledging that that that, that they are at least somewhat aware of what people think of what they do with the product. Yeah, I I, I do agree with that, and I think it's good that like now, I don't like John Cena now for me is the guy you bring in when you need to give that a character or a wrestler that final boost. Because everyone loved what uh, Bray Wyatt was doing with the Firefly Funhouse and The Fiend. Yeah. But then when it had that John Cena element, people probably thought, oh, John Cena's going to come in. People don't generally win their first signature match. If you know what I mean? Like Undertaker yeah. didn't win the first Hell in a Cell or Casket match. Just So people probably thought, oh, Cena's going to win. This is going to be the end of The Fiend and Bray Wyatt. But then when Bray Wyatt won, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, they actually sort of know what they're doing with this character now. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the... Gold, Goldberg who? Exactly. I mean, the fact that this happened after Goldberg was the shot in the arm that Fiend needed, and not only that, but the fact he more or less has destroyed the character of John Cena, because we haven't seen him on WWE since then. So oh. it's going to be interesting to see what they'll do, if they'll even acknowledge that when they bring Cena back for a program, uh, which, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Cena's now hit the same stage The Rock did back in, like, 2003. I reckon it could be a good few years before we actually see him back, maybe, because it seems like yeah. Hollywood has sort of taken Cena now. Um, I mean, I could be I could be wrong about that, but, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. But, yeah, we'll kind of touch more on some of match there, but, yeah, they've been brilliant. Um, two other matches I want to mention, I think... Tag team wrestling on the whole has been pretty strong this year outside of WWE. So NXT, AEW, other places across the world have all had great stuff. But I think the team that has really sort of like pushed that this year, even more so than they already have over their entire career, has been the Young Bucks. So, I mean, their match with Omega and Hangman from Revolution was... It's, it's basically topped nearly everyone's like number one pick for matches of the year. I think this would have been a close second for me. Oh, yeah. tr- truly tremendous match with the story they've told and the fact that that's still ongoing and then I'd, I'd probably put as a close third to that was their match with FTR so obviously the match that everyone had been wanting to see for like the last five six years um, yeah. as being, I think we said at the time it was it was still a fantastic match but it's left plenty of room for them returning to this at a later point so we got kind of a lot of what we wanted but there's still a lot more there that can be fed into at a later point but both of them were tremendous tag team matches, like some of the best you'll ever see, really. Yeah, def- oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, but I'll do my second favourite match. Yeah, go for um, it, man. Honestly, it's a it's a recent one. It's Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns from Survivor Series. You know what? Solid choice. Um, one of the best big man matches I've seen in a while. Yeah, just... Because both men came out of it looking strong, as they should. Um, I think Drew came out looking stronger, even though he lost the match, because Reigns did need that help. But on the whole, for what his character is now, mm-hmm. I think that's it was perfect booking. It was a fun match. You honestly, you literally didn't know 
which, well, I did. I didn't know which person, which guy was going to win. Yeah, yeah. Because I, th- I think I think in the end of the day, it was the right result. And again, like I said, just that's how I characterise whether a match is good. Did I have fun watching it? And I bloody did have fun watching it. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those ones where, like, obviously, Survivor Series. We discussed it in our review. Is kind of a throwaway yeah. show now with this brand warfare because a lot of the time it's just they get people together for this one month to have a bit of a feud and that's it. But at least with these kind of things, it does test the water for potential future feuds down the line. And like we said at the time, you look back at uh, WrestleMania a year or two ago when these two were on the card. Like I said at the time, I totally forgot that match happened because it was very forgettable. Then you cut to this one and now they're both in the position that you be. So McIntyre is like one of the top stars they've got now and he's really proven his worth with that. And now you've got Reigns again who's like finally earned that top spot as well with the heel work he's doing. And I feel like, again, like I said with the Young Bucks FTR match, there was enough here to keep you entertained and it was really fun. But I feel like further down the line this is going to be like a marquee match for WrestleMania and hopefully we'll see like even more out out of the two of them. Oh, it's definitely going to main event WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. Unless, unless something happens where they can't have it, it's definitely going to main event WrestleMania. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, I mean, which, I'm... which will be it, it will be nice to see a Brit in the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's nice. It's it's I've it's been it's been so long that there hadn't been a British WWE champion. I thought it's never going to happen. Yeah, and then. Big Drew did, did it for the UK. Did it for the UK. Did it for the people. Did it for the rock. <laughs> yes. Speaking, of, I mean, I think this it could potentially be the one of the main event matches we get this year. The only thing that could possibly stop that is if they are managing to get the rock back for the next Mania. So it seems like that's potentially nearly a done deal. Again, it falls down to the Rock's schedule, and I think it's also going to depend where they can actually set Mania this year because I think the original plan was Hollywood but given COVID still kind of ongoing there's probably I think there's talk about pushing that back to next year so it might be another case they're not using that setting and it would make sense having The Rock in Hollywood just for the fact that's where he's been the last two decades you know yeah I think well I think I heard um, the next two WrestleManias are going to be in Florida okay so they've completely pushed back Hollywood for a while then because that was that was announced on yeah. WrestleMania. That was announced on WrestleMania that Hollywood was getting it this yeah. this coming year. Um, I, I I'd heard they were, they were. I think it's more or less has been pushed back. So I don't think it is happening in Hollywood this year. I think you're right. I think Florida is going to be the main ground, like as it has been this year, because it's the one state where things are very lax. It, it appears, but well, not not just that. Uh, most of the roster lives in Florida anywhere. Yeah, of course. So yeah, you don't have to worry about getting on planes and it's where the NXT headquarters is obviously the performance centre so they can have, they have a lot of gear already there yeah you can use yeah so I think it makes sense to have it in Florida I think with Florida as well, they're, they're letting fans back in because that's the big thing that they've been teasing because I think they're more or less moving over to a stadium now and I think the reason why they're going to the stadium as well is because it's 
Um, they've been slowly allowing fans back in to that stadium for like the the local sport team that usually runs out of it. Um, yeah. So it sounds like we could actually get a couple of a couple of thousand in attendance for the Rumble this year, which would be good. So that might yeah. be again the slow the slow returning of fans, and so it would probably make a lot of sense if they just stick with that one arena just to kind of host a lot of the things going forward. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I think potentially, obviously, if The Rock isn't coming back for this one, I'd probably put money on McIntyre and Reigns possibly headlining this year's Mania. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think they'll uh, headline this year's Mania just because mm-hmm. I think they're doing too well as the champions themselves. Ah, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, true, true. I think unless Drew loses the title between now and the Rumble and goes on to win the Rumble, which I can't see happening. Um, I think they're both going to go into WrestleMania as champions. Yeah, yeah, I could see that as well. I mean, it's an interesting stance to take because I think with this year in particular, it's been more so of of always beware the unexpected because they've had to kind of change plans on the fly. It seems like a lot of... WWE is one of those companies that's big on having a plan even though it doesn't always seem that way, like at least some kind of plan structure for what the year will bring. Um, yeah. But like more so than ever this year, things have changed on the fly and it's kind of hard to predict like what, who could win the Rumble this year, who's going to be in those main event spots for Mania. So it's going to be an interesting one to see. I'm, I'm look, That's one thing I'm looking forward to is that it's, it feels very unpredictable about what could happen next. Yeah. Um, yeah, like this is, a, this is a year where you don't know who's going to win the Rumble. Because... I'm trying to think, like, just trying to think now who who could go ahead and win the Rumble. Like, the Women's Rumble, I think it's going to be either Charlotte or Rousey. You think Rousey's going to be back soon? I think Rousey will come back. Because mm. they're trying to get that rematch, but well, that singles match between Rousey and Lynch. Mm-hmm. Which I can't see happening this year, because obviously she's just... She's just had a baby. I doubt she'll be back for WrestleMania. But I think if they give... I think Rousey might come back because she took time off to have a baby and she hasn't had a, had a baby, hasn't even got pregnant, as far as I know. Yeah, yeah. So she um, might might think, oh, well, I'll go back to WWE for a year. A year, a year and a bit and then see where we stand. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what will happen when she does come back because of all the heat she got for a lot of comments she made after she's took this recent leave. Like, um, if it wasn't for the fact that we're still somewhat putting her face on merch, I was almost convinced that she'd completely left wrestling at this point. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what happens comes back. Um, I don't really have much of a thought on who could win the women's at the moment because just like again, it, it's it's not. The, the, the women's division has been fairly decent, but there's not anyone I can really pick out as saying they're going to be the one to win it this year. I think for men's, I, w- I would have said Big E at one point because it seems like they were really going to, they are trying to really push him as his own solo star now. I mean, the fact he won the IC title on Christmas Day on SmackDown. Um, so potentially him. Um, again, for the men's, I think there's a lot of people you could point to like as obvious picks. So, like, a few of the people have already been in the main event recently, but. I'm 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 excited for it. You can never know what to expect the rumble. I think I think even though Drew was his stock was on the rise, I think it was still like a a fairly decent surprise that he won it this year. So 
Uh, but we'll see where it goes with it. But um, kind of drawing things back, um, I'll just go kind of straight into what my favourite match of this year was, and that was Walter versus Ilya Dragunov when they fought for the NXT UK title. Uh, I think it was back in October, this match, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tremendous match. I mean, it, it is a match that is really hard to watch in points because they basically straight up murder one another for half an hour. And... We discussed it. I think we we discussed this episode on the very first pod, and it was like me and Guy said, "This is one of those rare matches where having no crowd somewhat boosted it because you could just hear every single shot they were throwing at each other." And it, at points, it just sounded like a freaking gun was going off with the chops Walter throws out. And it's really without that crowd there muffling out the noise, you hear what those chops are like. Um, it's one of those things like this is the kind of wrestling I like. I like watching where it's believably two men trying to kill each other. Of course, I wouldn't want to see this style done all the time because if if, if these two wrestled this kind of match and everyone did, their careers would be a lot fucking shorter. I can tell you that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Jim Jim Cornette him said himself said this is one of his favorite matches, and he believes this is where wrestling should be at this point. But again, Jim's Jim's just an old man yelling at clouds. Like if this if this was legit the case, and every single wrestler wrestled this style, careers just wouldn't be anywhere near the length that they are at the moment. Yeah, um, I agree. This match was fantastic. It's probably in my top five for this year. But like you say, no crowd helped mm. this match. No, I'll, I love Ilya Dragunov, I love Volta, mm-hmm. and I really want to see them have a bit of a break from each other, but then return. Because from what I've seen, I don't really watch NXT UK a lot, mm-hmm. but I'd love to see Ilya Dragunov be the one to take the belt from Volta. Because yeah. I think he's, the, he's one of the best workers not just in WWE, NXT, but the world. And I think he deserves it for the impact he's had in such a short time of being in NXT UK. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Um, I think I think going off this, I mean, because the thing is with this is Walter versus Elia has been it, it's been a it's been a rivalry people are aware of if you watched a lot of independent wrestling. So they they've been one of the hottest feuds across Europe for like the last couple of years so it's finally good to see them on this platform um get more of the main main mainstream eyes on them i mean this this cast a good eye on the nxt uk product which a lot of people aren't that like fussed about um yeah. at the end of the day what i love about it is just two people who are genuinely so passionate about wrestling and they don't seem to really care where they are and what company they're with they will always bring out the bag i mean we've already heard plenty that walter has been massively tried to be headhunted by Vince McMahon to come to the main roster and he's basically outright refused mainly for the fact he's pretty much happy where he is and I think that kind of shows the kind of person he just loves wrestling and he's not bothered about going to WWE to be the world champion he just wants to put on good wrestling and he doesn't care where he does that as long as he gets gets the chance to do that kind of performance yeah definitely and I think if if he was to go to the main roster Vince wouldn't use him right I mean look at uh Survivor Series 2019 he was the first one eliminated in the men's elimination match after being in the match for three minutes yeah so he basically he came in and like he had a, a bit of a shot of who he was but yeah 
the fact he was the first one to go was just absolutely tragic. I mean, I wouldn't mind if he was the first one eliminated if he at least got a proper strong showing, but that kind of just kind of shows you, like, Vince... Vince would probably only like him because he's a big dude. And I think the only match I would really love... To, uh, there's plenty of opponents I'd love to see him fight on the main roster. I think, obviously, Brock Lesnar would be a good one. I think they could have oh, a yeah. pretty, pretty tasty match there. And then even... I'd, just, I'd, I'd just love to see Brock Lesnar try and no-sell one of Volta's chops. That would be something to say. Um... Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's lots of people I want to see there, but I mean, at the end of the day, I'm happy with where Walter is. Even even if he moves from NXT UK to the main brand NXT a bit more, which he's been doing where he can, I'd be happy with that. Um, I, he's honestly one of those people I, I think if he went at the main roster, his, they wouldn't know what to do with his character because he is just about pure wrestling and Vince hates the big W word. So I think yeah. he's happy where he is. And at the end of the day, as long as he's putting on good matches like this, I, I really don't mind where he is, as long as we still get to see some great stuff out of him. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's one of them guys, no matter who you put him in the ring with, he's going to have a good match. Might not be a great match, but it's going to be a good match. And like, Look at some of the matches he has had. Uh, Pete Dunne, Tyler Bate, Trent Seven, Ilya Dragunov. Uh, his match with... Uh, He's had a match with Jordan Devlin. That was great. Yeah, yeah. His match with his match with Pack. Yeah, great. yeah. I think surprising out of all those names, my 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 still favorite match I've seen out of Walter, which which I'm annoyed about, which we'll hopefully talk about as a main topic on the pod at some point, is their match at last year's Super Strong Style. It's honestly like I I, I was mad because I tried to go back to look at it recently. And we're gonna we're gonna use this as a main topic of discussion in a later episode. But pro, due to the speaking out movement, Progress have gone back and edited a lot of their shows, removing certain matches, and in some cases, right. just pulling down full shows. The reason why I can understand why they did with Super Strong Style because David Starr won that one. So fingers crossed, they'll maybe. Obviously, it's going to be a bit weird, but hopefully, they'll upload like maybe just one cut down version where they've got matches that he wasn't featured in to show some highlights from that show because there were some great matches across those three days but yeah. what pisses me off about it is that it's a rule for one and a rule for the other so there's a lot of people who obviously from the progress alumni that were in that were caught out during the speaking out movement some of which obviously are still ongoing some which seem to be more or less kind of over and done with but there's somewhere it was point blank they've done some bad things or been not exactly the best kind of people and a lot of their matches are still featured on Progress episodes on their channel. I just think it's the wrong way to go about just going through and just editing a show like it didn't happen. You know what I mean? Like, just completely getting rid of a match. Yeah. Like, there's better ways to go about which we'll get into then. But, yeah, if, if, if they eventually upload it, Walter vs. Trent 7 is one of the best matches I've seen in, like, a long time. But, anyway, what would you say has been your favourite match from this past year? My favourite match of this past year... I don't know, it's difficult. It's I might have to I'm gonna say the Boneyard match. Okay. Not not a bad choice, to be fair, not a bad choice. Just, why why would you pick that I'll, one over I'll, the Firefly Funhouse though? Because a lot of people would would say the Firefly one was better. Like I mean I think they're both great, because, but why would you say it's better? Because like like we said earlier, it made the Undertaker look like the Undertaker. Because the last couple of years I mean, I love The Undertaker. The last couple of years, you can see him at WrestleMania and at the Saudi shows. He's not there anymore in the ring. He can't go in the ring 
as like anywhere near as well. I think I think in this made him look in spirit he's there, but his body just no. Yeah, that, that's what yeah. I mean. Like yeah. he wants he wants to go and do these matches, but his body just won't allow him to. I mean, it's like uh, on the on the documentary on the on the network, Michelle McCool, his wife, says his schedule used to be have his match at WrestleMania, get surgery to fix whatever he broke during WrestleMania, rehab, then train for his next WrestleMania match, and then rinse and repeat. And that like that can't be good. No, in no, any way, no. shape, or form, breaking it just to fix it, just to break it again. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, but this I match, think... like even AJ Styles, looked great in this match as the cocky heel that he is so good at playing. He even they even carried it over through to Money in the Bank, where he saw the poster of the Undertaker and hesitated and looked scared. <laughs> That's just long, like. Great storytelling, which if they want, if the Undertaker wanted to have another match with AJ, he could have. Yeah, yeah. But they could have just, but they could have just made it. He's still traumatized off the bone from the Boneyard match. Whereas yeah. after the Firefly Funhouse, it never, you never really got anything after that. True, true. I think. The Firefly one was a bit of a situation because I think they obviously knew Cena wasn't coming back, but at least with that one. It was very clear cut, like they completely just kind of killed the John Cena character. It seems for a while because obviously it must be yeah. apparent he isn't he isn't coming back for a while. He's clearly off doing the other things he wants to do. Um, I, I, it, it's a hard thing for me because I, I I love the elements of both. I mean the boat, like we said, I think the Boyard one is tremendous because it, it at least gave Undertaker his last great outing. Um, for me, because I'm I mean his last true brilliant in ring match was against CM Punk at Mania 29. Um, yeah, I rewatched that one recently, and it, it's insane to see how well Taker was still going then. And then a year later, it's more or less when the wheels started falling off. So um, I think yeah, I agree. You know, the, that was when he got the three concussions from Lesnar, wasn't it? Bork Lesnar, triple concussion <laughs> in the match. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that that was sort of the beginning of the end for like when he should have kind of called quits. But at least with this, he had a good send off, and hopefully. Even though a lot of people would still probably want to hope that he went, he went out properly in the ring, at least this was like a good showing to kind of work around the issues he was having and still make him look strong by walking away finally. So, yeah, I, I mean, I can totally see why you'd pick that as your number one. Absolutely. Super. Um, so kind of moving on next then, I think we'll basically spotlight what kind of wrestlers we think stood out this year because um, it's been an absolutely banner year for a lot of people. Um I'd say one of the ones that's at the top of my list is Kenny Omega. Purely yeah, for the definitely. fact. Because um, starting the year, I mean, since AW started, Kenny's... It's been a bit of a funny journey for Kenny. I think everyone kind of assumed he was going to come in and immediately be the champion and be their top bankable star because of all the things they've done in Japan. But it, it, he's he's put on great matches and had some great stuff, but it's, it's never felt like he was at that level just yet for that kind of thing in America. Um... But what's happened? What what you've seen this year is he's been in an absolutely tremendous ongoing storyline with the Young Bucks, and then now with his former tag team partner Hangman, and that slow heel turn is was just been excellently done with the return of the Cleaner, and it all capped off perfectly with him beating Moxley for the belt the way he did, and then just how cocky and arrogant he's being with Don Callis. I think 
it, it's it's really kind of helped show people who probably weren't that familiar with him outside of Japan, like why he is like one of those wrestlers who is like one of the best in the world at the moment. Because not only is in ring work good, but he really does know how to do good promo and storytelling around all that. So he has got the kind of trifecta behind him. Oh yeah, like Kenny Omega is. I know it gets this the phrase gets thrown around a lot, like the modern day Shawn Michaels, but. He is sort of that, like, he's arguably the greatest in-ring worker currently going. In promos, he's unreal. His attitude, out like, is just as it should be for the position he's in. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he can put on a great match with anyone. He could put on a great match with a bloody broomstick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and I don't mean to, like, the old cliche of the modern day Shawn Michaels, but he sort of is. Yeah. Because Shawn Michaels was that all around wrestler that could talk, he could wrestle, he had the attitude that he should have. Some people thought he had too much attitude. <laughs> but yeah, Kenny Omega, like, you can't sing his praises high enough. Yeah, Just, you can't. Especially, especially for being relatively unknown to mainstream audiences of wrestling outside of Japan. Yeah. Into, uh, like you say, I, th- I think it would have been a mistake to put the belt straight on him. I think they needed to give it to someone like Jericho, who yeah, had that mainstream, uh, yeah. mainstream appeal. Then Moxley, again, like a bit more mainstream appeal, a bit more, bit younger mainstream appeal, because... Obviously, Moxley, everyone loved The Shield. Moxley, uh, he was such a prominent feature on WWE TV for so long. Then put it on the indie guy. Yeah. Which I think I think they I think they did it right. And I'll, I I want Kenny Omega to just go from strength to strength and just. Be as he was in Japan. Just great match after great match after great match after great match. Yeah, I agree. Get a car- then they need to get a carder in <laughs> and have a 12 star match. <laughs> Break Melter's scale even more. <laughs> Just make, make Melter's head explode. <laughs> I agree. I think I think it's been one of those things. I think even if even mainstream people knew who Omega was just because of those bouts in Japan and the the attention they got. But I think you're right. They they had to kind of play it smart with him, just not completely thrusting them to the forefront of the mainstream. They needed to give him a bit of time to sort of build and allow themselves to build up their brand smartly by giving the top title to people like Jericho, then Moxley, just so they had those recognizable household names. And now that Kenny's got it, I think we're going to see. A brilliant reign with it, and we're going to see the the cleaner out in full, and it's going to be absolutely amazing. So I can't wait to see where that goes next. Um, is there a particular wrestler you'd like to show, uh, point out as one of your sort of highlights from this year? Uh, I'm going to say, oh, what's his name, Damian Priest. Ooh, you know what? Not a bad choice because he was one of those people at the start of the year I wasn't that high on because I didn't fit, I didn't really gel with the character. I didn't think there was much to him other than the fact he is really good in the ring. But especially the last few months, especially the feud with Johnny Gargano, we've seen him 
We've seen him. We've seen what he's like on the mic. He's very confident with that kind of thing, and we we are starting to see more of that character develop. So I, I completely agree about him being on there. Yeah, I'm hoping he'd be the one to have a really good first six months of 2021, and then maybe towards the end, dethrone Bala. I mean, it's if going to be an... if 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 Killer Cross hasn't already done it. I think it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen because Priest is fighting Cross on New Year's Evil. So it might not be the best start of the year with him because I think Cross... I'm not going to say it's necessarily going to be a match where he's going to get completely dominated because I think that would be a little bit too unbelievable. I know Cross is a powerhouse, but I feel like there should be at least a, least a decent little back and forth there. But I think Cross is ultimately going to win that. Um, he's going to win because Damien Priest likes the ladies and Scarlet Bordeaux is going to be at ringside. No, I think we'll happen. I think I think we'll still see Priest maybe get towards that main event maybe later on throughout next year. I think he's probably still got stuff he needs to do in the mid-card because I think at this point with Crossback and the fact that they've been trying to push people like Kyle O'Reilly as well, the main event seems yeah. pretty packed at the moment for NXT. But... I mean, I'm, I definitely want to can't wait to see what he he would do next. Because um, again, like I'm getting I'm warming up to him a bit more now that I've seen more of his character work and like his in ring stuff. So yeah, I, I agree. Like that is that is definitely a solid choice. Um, kind of to fly through too, we've already sort of highlighted obviously Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. Um, yeah. I think Roman just for the fact like we finally got where we want with him. He's doing heel work. And it's some of the best heel work we've ever seen. I mean, the matches with Jey Uso were really good, even though there wasn't much actual in-ring work. It was more about the story they told, so yeah. the tribal chief thing. And that, like, I think I think a lot of people were a bit like sort of weirded out about why he's with Paul Heyman, but that in itself is paying off as well, especially because you know it's mm-hmm. the advocate of one of his former big rivals. Now he's kind of under Reigns' payroll. It's like really interesting. And then I think for Drew, it was just the fact, like, to see his, his journey. I mean, watching the Stone Cold session with him on, like, looking back through his whole career, the fact that he went from being one of the most hotly touted stars to then being in 3MB, doing little to nothing, getting let go, and then fighting his way back to become that main, main event level talent. It was just a great thing to see, like, come full circle, if you like. Yeah. Uh, another guy I want to mention is Sami Zayn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because his his work this year, especially because he took because there was a lot of controversy because WWE had said right if you want to take the time off during the pandemic, there'll be no consequences. He took the time off immediately, stripped of the IC title. But then as soon as he came back, he had that IC belt. Was saying no, I'm the champion. And he's just been the snivelling heel, doing whatever he could to keep his title. I think he's just been such a great character to watch, especially since he was so he was so good as a babyface in his feuds with like the likes of Kevin Owens. Obviously, well, they're just they're Kevin Owens and Kevin Owens is again another one I'll mention. But but to see him as a heel and being an effective heel mm-hmm. is just a testament to the guy that he yeah. can go both ways. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. Like Sammy, it's been a, it's been a, it's been interesting to see his heel work continue, and especially the fact like he was gone for a while and then immediately stepped back into that sniveling heel route, and the fact that they did at least try to tie 
the story somewhat together because I like I'd I'd nearly almost forgotten until I rewatched the Rumble recently about how he was before the pandemic he was managing um, Shinsuke Nakamura and um, Cesaro for Cesaro. a bit, yeah, and then he came back and then because I think Shinsuke was the champion when he came back, so it, it, at least there was a prime story for him to slip right back into about you know over like who was the real champion and stuff. Um, no, the the champion when he came back. Oh, was, was, it was Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy, that's right. And then they had the triple threat ladder match between Zayn, Hardy, and Styles. Ah, and yeah, that was the, it. That's yeah. when he got the title back. Yeah. No, 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 no what I'm thinking of is because I think when he came back was that when Cesaro and Nakamura were the tag champions. Tag champs, yeah. Yeah, and he was kind of basically trying to muscle his way back in, be like, oh, hey, guys, remember me, you know? And, like, he's got his belt. They're like, oh, we're all champions now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, no, honestly, a good one. Um kind of showcasing the AEW side of things. You, you could have put a lot of people on this list, but I think um, two of the people that stand out for me was John Moxley. I mean, I've said it again, I'm not one of his biggest fans. I think it, whenever I see his matches, they're not always the most exciting, even though there's, like, a lot of people said there are a few standout ones I should go back and check out. But when it comes to everything else, like his promos, um, the stories he tells, like, the thing with Eddie Kingston this year was absolutely enthralling. Like, the promos they were cutting on each other, the backstage segments of that were just brilliant. And the fact that Moxley finally, like, proved his worth and where he should be in wrestling by beating Jericho, becoming the main star of the company. He essentially carried like AEW with being their champion and making it work with no fans and that must have been a hard thing to pull off when you've just been given the big belt that you've now got to go out there and have wrestling in front of no people and try and still get those reactions across so I think you should be applauded for that and uh, Orange Cassidy who um, for a guy who came off the indies has just been like a, a mainly comedy wrestler he's kind of proven that yeah you can have his gimmick is really fun but he can also have some tremendous like in-ring work with the likes of Jericho and Pac so he's really sort of seen his character develop a lot over this past year yeah Orange Cassidy again he's one of them you're either going to love his gimmick or hate it I don't think there's a middle ground Obviously, you can switch sides, but he should. It shouldn't work, but it does. And yeah, I think Orange Cassidy. In later in his career, people will say the same about him that people say about the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could have given a hundred different people that gimmick, and it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, but because it's that guy, it's worked. Yeah. Well, I think I think what makes it is the fact like this is all Orange Cassidy's creation, and he's obviously yeah. been doing it way before AEW. Um, I, I think I think it's just one of those big things that like for for such a main event, well, you know, a main a mainstream sorry talent to be able to go out on TV and do things like sloth like kicks and moves, and it's like not completely being like destroyed by only other, only people like Jim Cornette will have an issue true issue with it saying it's killing the business whereas everyone else can look at it and go you know what that's just really fun and entertaining and I think yeah. there were there was worry about like how far you could take that but then the, the, the program with Jericho and the things he's done since have proved that there is more to his character than just the guy who doesn't care like if you get him riled up he will go in the ring and he will batter the fuck out of you and do do what he can to win when he does get passionate in a match so it, yeah. he remains to be one of the most sort of enthralling characters to see and again it's another one I'm interested to see what they're going to do next with 
I'm just going to throw one more out there. Mm-hmm. And it's Rhea Ripley. Ooh, okay, interesting. Okay. Purely because she was riding high at the beginning of the year. She'd come off uh, being the sole survivor of Survivor Series, pinning Charlotte clean, and then obviously had the misfortune of having to lose the belt to Charlotte. And when I first saw that, I thought, oh, well, that's it for that's it for Ripley. She's just been just buried by yeah. Charlotte. But she hasn't. She's just bounced straight back. And she's been having, she's having a great feud with Dakota Kai and mm-hmm. Raquel Gonzalez, which is fantastic. Can't wait to see their... Is that a last woman standing match? The yeah, they're gonna have. I think it might be. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait to see that. Absolutely. Because just two powerhouse women just gonna batter the fuck out of each other. <laughs> I mean, it, it could and, be like. And Rhea, Rhea Ripley is, in my opinion, she's the future of women's wrestling. Yeah. Not just in WWE, but across the world. Between Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm and Bianca Belair, I think they're the three that are going to carry the women's women's wrestling just higher and higher. I agree, mate. I mean, you are right. It's been a bit of a up and down year for Rhea. Like she started the year on an absolute high, and then it felt like the beginning was fine. Then there was the midpoint where she just wasn't there at all, and obviously. Fair enough, there was a lot of that to do with travel restrictions and, like, visa issues she had at the time. Um, which probably didn't help the fact of trying to get her back on the same trajectory. But we've seen over the last month or two with her being back a lot more featured that she's hopefully going to be riding that stock again. And I agree with you, like, her, Tony Storm, and I'd say people like from Ada, like Britt Baker and all that, they're going to really hopefully carry this division even more forward into the future. So, again, I can't wait to see. And I hope she gets, like, her... Do return after the Charlotte match at Mania, even though that was a solid match, it was the, clearly the wrong choice at the end of the day. So, fingers crossed, she she gets to like a bit more of a bigger bigger ride in the next year to come. Um, there's only two more things I want to point out on this one. So, another kind of wrestler of the year. Obviously, I wouldn't put him as highly as the rest we talked about, but I'd like to kind of give some honourable mention to Pat, Pat McAfee. Um, yes. I think. If you start this year and told me he will become one of the most entertaining things on NXT and in wrestling in general, and he will actually go in there and put like give it his all in a wrestling match, I wouldn't have believed you. Like, fair enough, he's a former athlete in football, but like it's always going to be like night and day with former athletes from other sports. Either they are going to do really well in wrestling or they won't. Um, and it just blew my mind. Like the match he had with Adam Cole was really good. Obviously Cole probably did have to help him through a lot of that. Cause he's still obviously trying to get to that level. But then the fact he put himself in a match like war games and fair enough, took a lot of his licks, but kept with the heel character, you know, trying to like avoid the action where he could, but did get involved with points when he when when it when it was like he believed it was fine to do so. Um, just one of the most enthralling entertaining characters. I mean, the fact like CM Punk has said he's one of the best sort of promos on TV at the moment kind of speaks a lot for like where he's heading with his career. Yeah, he's he's gonna he's gonna do very well if he's if he is wanting to stick with wrestling full time. 
And I think having him have his first feud with Adam Cole in the Undisputed Era was the correct call because Adam Cole, he's another one of them guys that could have a five-star match with a broom handle. Yeah. So having with that such a talent as Adam Cole, like Adam Cole can carry his Adam Cole can carry a match without making it look like he's carrying the match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that was a good thing. Like obviously, you have, you have, you've got to put Adam Cole over. But he still made Pat, he still made Pat look so good. Like he wasn't so green around the gills. Mm-hmm. He just it's a, it's a testament to both guys. Pat, Pat willing to do some of the mental shit that he is willing to do. <laughs> yeah. And Adam Cole being there to like right here's here's what we're doing. Because to, to put on a to put on a, a match as good as that with someone's in their debut match is not can't be easy. Obviously, I've never I've never wrestled. I've never had a wrestling match except on a trampoline. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> but I, I can't imagine it'd be easy. I, a lot of guys say their first match mm-hmm. was awful. Yeah, yeah. Because, but things like it might have helped not having the crowd in that in that situation because if you haven't got the crowd you're not focusing on what the crowd's finding good finding bad you just do you're just doing what you're doing mm-hmm. so that might that might help but i think it's just a testament to both guys that they had such a good match in his debut match yeah absolutely i think what helps as well i mean i, I agree maybe having no crowds there would have obviously been a lot easier on him um, just to kind of help with those nerves, but I think I think what's good about it as well is that he's clearly someone who does have a passion and care for the business, and he's not one of the. It's clear from watching those matches that he's not one of those like big-headed enough former sports personalities to think he can go into a match and get all the big spots, if you like. Like when you watch the matches, he's obviously playing the character he should perfectly well. He's a sniveling heel. Um, he mostly will get dominated in a match and will occasionally get his own licks in when he when it's like the right moment. And obviously, I mean, I, I think the fact like he's been allowed to have some big spots kind of adds enough to kind of show what we could see out of him in the future. Like, I honestly wouldn't be surprised that like, give it another year or two and he's worked on his ring skills a bit more that he could potentially be like one of the main event future NXT champions. I really, I really could see that. So. Um, I could as well, but how, how old is he? I'm not sure how old he is. Uh, I'll do a quick check if you want. Um, I think he's still fairly young, because, I mean, I don't know how long of a football career he had. Let's have a look. 33. Yeah, 33. So, I mean, that's still pretty young. I mean, Still fairly young. McIntyre's only just reached the main event level of WWE, and he's, what, 35 now? He's... Like in his yeah. mid to late thirties, so it's it's uh, you see it more and more often now. It's not always the case. Someone goes from being young straight in the men event picture. A lot more talent these days are a lot older before they eventually reach their kind of peak. So I, I, I could honestly see McAfee still getting a good few years out of him and potentially being in those main event scene like later on down the line. So again, it's just another one to see what what happens in the next year. I think he's going to try and muscle his way to being the tag champ under the free bird rule. <laughs> Burchin, Orny Larkin. Yeah. I think yeah. that's something he'll he'll do. I could see that. I could so see he that. So he could, uh, he could uh, 
say I am a former tag I am a tag team champion even though he's never won the tag team championships <laughs> I yeah. think that'd be a good yeah. bit, of, bit of character character growth for him just make him just so detestable aye no no I agree I mean there's a lot of different places to go with this and it's going to be really interesting to see um, the only other thing I'd probably want to bring up in kind of a wrestlers of the year thing is to touch upon all the people who came forward during the speaking out movement so I yes. think it goes without saying this was probably one of the darkest days wrestling's ever seen um, I think we all kind of knew from what wrestlers had said that there was there's always been shady practices going on with like how people are trained and the way the rest of business is very cutthroat when you get into it but then you see like a lot of the stories that came out and like the way like talent have been treating men and women during their careers and what a lot of people went through it was it was it was a brave thing from the come to come out come forward and say all this at the fear of like them getting like a, like potential loss of career of this obviously the issue, the, like the things with that, is that they need to happen and they are brilliant. The one downside is obviously you will get a lot of people coming out of the woodwork where they they're basically making false accusations because a lot of people's yeah. careers nearly got badly damaged from a lot of false accusations because of this. But the ones that did come out and were legitimate, then they deserve lots of props for being able to do that and to, to see the outpour. And the fact is, that, like it is going to hopefully bring about good change. I mean, like looking at like a lot of the indies, like Progress have made like some massive changes. Like they've introduced more safeguarding. They've had a big shift in management because of it. So fingers crossed, it's going to mean a lot of this shit is completely thrown out, and we are going to get a much healthier scene because of it. Hopefully, I mean, like the last thing you want is anyone in any business, but especially one as demanding as the as the wrestling industry to feel unsafe or victimized or abused yeah just do doing their job especially with most i want to say 95 percent of people who are wrestlers are wrestlers because they love wrestling yeah and to feel to have to feel like that while at the same time doing something you love it's got to be so hard and any anyone who spoke out I'm going to sound patronising, but well done. Like, I know people who've been victims of abuse, and yeah, it, it's not it's not easy to step forward and admit to to being the victim. Yeah, yeah. Espe- especially like a lot of stories, like with the Me Too movement, a lot of the stories where you hear people have made police reports and it's just been brushed under the carpet that it just makes from what I've heard it makes women less likely to come forward because they think they're not going to be taken seriously but who, anyone who came forward well done did such a such a good thing absolutely I think I think it was it was incredibly brave of them and I think I think what is most tragic because it was men and women who went through yeah. a lot of shit because of this and I think I think what you touched upon there is absolutely true I mean wrestling is one of those things you have to have passion and love for it to want to get into it because you know you're not potentially going to make any money it's going to be really hard to eventually break into get into that mainstream level and then to get into it and for a lot of these people to then have that love of the business effectively destroyed because of these actions is just heartbreaking to see and i i mean like i say i think i think we are seeing positive change come out of it and um 
yeah, they, they deserve all the props in the world for being able to come forward and share their stories and to kind of cast a light on something that a lot of us really didn't know was happening. So, yeah, absolutely, like, well done to those people. Right, uh, yeah, next bit of the pod, we're just going to talk a bit about just random highlights from the year. So this could just be anything within wrestling that you just thought was really good, or, you know, it could be, like, a segment, it could be... Uh, generally anything that's happened to be honest um kicking it off i mean we've already touched upon it briefly but um this was really the year the year where the era of cinematic matches came out obviously i think the fact there was a pandemic they needed to kind of go with that angle um, and i feel like the it forced the video's hand in particular about doing them because obviously they brought hardy in and we thought we were going to see more then from what he'd done in tna but not much happened i think we got like maybe one or two <laughs> um yeah. But, I mean, this year across the board, like, a lot of companies have been embracing it more. And, and, like, when crowds come back, I still want to see these continue because I think it is, like, a good next um, evolution in wrestling. Like, wrestling's always been, in my mind, it's performance art at the end of the day. Like, it's a sport with performance art in it. And I think this just goes a long way to kind of pushing that next step of that. Like, you you get, like, a lot of interesting stories told out of it. You get a lot of the the silliness and craziness in there as well. But it really goes a long way to forwarding stories. I mean, as we mentioned, the Boneyard match was the perfect way. So Undertaker could have a good send-off. It works brilliantly well with characters like The Fiend, obviously Matt Hardy's done a lot of his continuation with the Broken Universe in uh, AEW, so I, I definitely want to see these kind of going on beyond just this year and beyond the pandemic, I don't want to see them stop when the pandemic eventually kind of has its like like closing, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, the, the cinematic matches, I mean, they were, so, they were sort of forced onto the wrestling industry, but I think for the for the most part, they've been done very well. They've been done very well for, especially like you say with the characters like the Fiend, Matt Hardy. Because you need they needed something because having a whole wrestling show with no fans, it was just it was a bit weird to watch, mm-hmm. especially at the beginning. And these just broke it up and gave you a nice. Not, not so much a, a rest from it, but something new, something different. Yeah, that we wouldn't. Yeah. That a lot of people might not necessarily have seen before. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 one of those things where I just think like because like I, I was I was one of those people back a couple of years ago when the Hardys were doing this. I didn't fully understand and embrace it, and then after rewatching them. I thought, you know what, this is actually brilliant. It, it's it's a nice, it's a nice uh, evolution in wrestling. Like, obviously, I wouldn't want to see all wrestling go this way. Like, if, if we got to a point where every show was just like a cinematic thing, that would be a bit crap. But bringing them out like occasionally, I think, I think, I think one thing was obviously it felt like when Vince saw like how well they were doing, there, there was there was a lot more than push. So there's obviously there's a lot of like bad with the good from this year, which I think is just standard in wrestling anyway. But if at the end of the pandemic they bring them out occasionally, that's like going to be a good thing. Like you could have like on the bigger shows have something with like one or two matches with a cinematic element, and it would kind of keep people happy. And again, it would just be a great way of forwarding some storylines and feuds. So I'm 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 hoping we'll see more out of it in the future. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping Jeff Hardy gets his way. Because he wants to bring Willow into WWE and have a feud with The Fiend. 
I think that would be really interesting to see. I think that would be good, especially... It might be tricky of them to kind of call back on the things with Matt Hardy as well, given that him and the Bray Wyatt had a little thing going before Bray disappeared and came back as the Fiend. Um, so I think, I, think, I think there's a ripe story there for that as well. So yeah, I'd absolutely love to see that. 100%. Yeah, just... As long as, like, like you say, as long as they only do maybe one per, maybe one every three months. Yeah, yeah. I'd say, I think that'd be the right level. Just because, if they do them every pay per view or do multiple ones, every other pay per view, it's going to be like the gimmick pay per views, like the Hell in a Cell. It's not going to be special anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's just going to be part of the furniture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I agree. I think I think if you kept it mainly to maybe the bigger shows, then that's absolutely fine. Or even then, if 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 you kept them very limited and broke them out occasionally on one of the more sort of B pay per views, that would at least give that sort of pay per view a bit more of a boost as well. So, yeah, I'm 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 I love them, and I'm hoping like we'll see plenty more coming in the future. Um, have you got particular any particular highlights you want to bring up? My highlight of this year has got to be. Roman Reigns just Roman Reigns in general since he came back uh, from uh, pan- because of the pandemic obviously he had to, he had to go because he's immunocompromised because of having leukemia yeah so he had he had to take the time off but since he's came back he's just above and beyond anything we've seen from him before mm-hmm. and He's just going for. He is just every week. He's just getting better and better. I mean, he had that. He had that feud with John Cena a few years ago, and one of John Cena's one thing John Cena said to him, "It took you five years to cut halfway decent promo. Well done." And now every time he gets on the mic, I'm excited because he is learning how he is getting better on the mic. He's just. I think he's got. I think he's gone the way of CM Punk and just tearing up his script. Mm-hmm. He's just like right. This is what I'm gonna say. Yeah. Which I think a lot of a lot of people need to start. Do- if he is, a lot of more people need to start doing it. They do. Um, I, think, I think if if Roman can be one of those guys that do it, I think everyone else will slowly start doing it. Because you're not gonna have someone like a uh, Lindsay Dorado <laughs> do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though WWE probably holds stock in him, nowhere near as much stock as Roman Reigns. Yeah, yeah. And if you say, well, if Roman can do it, I'm going to give it a shot. I think, I think in general, it just needs to be a case of WWE needs to give more control to their talent for what they want to do because that's the issue. That's the kind of the night and day thing with WWE and AEW. AEW is essentially a company run by wrestlers more or less kind of not just for the audience but for the wrestlers and that's why I think a lot of people are happier there. I think obviously there'll be a little bit of control over like what, where a storyline might be going and what they have planned but for the most part it seems like they just let the wrestlers decide what they want to say, what they kind of want to do on a show and I think that kind of is why it's a lot, it's a much more interesting product because they're going to kind of understand what their character is and what they should be saying whereas WWE it's still very much the case Vince has the ultimate control and say over a character so you've heard for years now that like most of the talent have to be 
issued with a script and they are told to stick to that script. That was one of the big things why John Moxley had to get out of there. He would say nearly every day he would have to fight Vince on promos and what his character was doing. And even then it was all for naught because like by the end of his career he was just a like the character was a bit of a joke and what he was doing and clearly Moxley was just fed up with that. So I think ultimately WWE just needs to let their talent have a bit more control over what's happening. I think Vince might now, because uh, the USA Network have said they want more adult content from Raw. Yeah, I, I saw this as well. It seems like it's very conflicting, so apparently they have come out and said that that's not entirely what they've said as well. But um, I feel like I, 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 a lot of people get really nostalgic for the attitude here and say, bring that back. That wouldn't really work now, because no. the, the 90s was, was an era of extreme you know like everywhere across the board was pushing the envelopes so it fit with the culture these days people don't want to see like people would be appalled seeing half the shit they did during the attitude era in today's world i feel like they could wwe could still easily let the product though have a bit more of an adult edge for those fans obviously that they're at the point now where i think they really just want to kind of stay as that all friendly brand family friendly black brand but even in a lot of family friendly stuff you get stuff that is for the entire family so i think putting a little bit more of an adult edge on stuff would definitely be a good way to kind of maybe boost them up a little bit yeah even like uh, pg-13 as it is in america i think it's like 12a here you're allowed one f-bomb so there are there are ways they could keep it as that family friendly but still go a bit more adult orientated yeah, you just got to push the envelope a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, even, not the best comparison, but even Pixar films, you know, they have things in there that, although subtle, it's clearly for the adults, you know what I mean? So... Well, yeah, look at the bit, look at the beginning of Up. That yeah, whole yeah. first segment of Up is her, is them dealing with her being barren. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's I mean, no, like... No kids, no kids going to understand that, but it breaks a bloody adult's heart. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, like... Like, like, that's all they need to do is, like, little subtle things here and there that'll keep the adults enthralled while the kids can still watch it, and it will, hopefully, a lot of it just fly over the head a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. That's all they need to do, like, just find a good balance that can keep all ages entertained. Um, I think, I think um, AEW does seem to have, like, a... Because that's the one thing AEW is crushing them at the moment, is that uh, 18 to... F- is it like 35 demographic they always tout about 35 yeah yeah so that's like obviously your key adult audience and i think aw is more up in the way of having a bit more adult content but it's still something kids can enjoy like i like if i had a kid i wouldn't be worried about what they were watching on aw because they still keep it in that like good family friendly bubble but occasionally you will get matches with a bit of blood a bit of hardcore maybe the odd promo that does push a bit of boundaries with the language that they use but it's not a bad thing i mean you and me were raised in the attitude era and the ruthless aggression where it was still very adult and edgy and we turned out relatively okay <laughs> well well speak, you for, know. Yourself. speak for yeah. yourself <laughs> um, um i i, I so, just don't think there's any issue with that but yeah go ahead man go ahead uh, i was just going to say some someone else i want to uh praise mm-hmm for, for this year is Alexa Bliss. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because she's gone to such such a character shift and if anything, she's more compelling than ever. Because she's yeah. al- I've always loved Alexa Bliss. 
I mean, she's great on the mic. She's good in the ring. She can play a babyface or heel very well. And now that she's aligned with Bray Wyatt, mm. which I think she, I think she should have been made Sister Abigail during yeah. the original run of the Wyatt family. Mm. But now that they have actually brought have brought them together, and it's working so well, it's a bit like you don't know what she's going to do. Like on Raw, she turned up on a swing in yeah. the middle of the yeah. ring, just mm. taunting Randy Orton saying The Fiend will be back, which I don't think The Fiend should have lost on Sunday. Mm-hmm. But, hey, oh, it is what it is. But Alexa Bliss's character work lately is just top-notch. I and agree, I agree. Considering I, th- I thought we'd seen her be as good as she could be, and now she's just... Essentially, she's just turned around and said... Fuck you, Jess. Have a look at this. <laughs> you, you specifically, mate. She heard about Me what you were saying about her. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. It's been. She's one of those people like you can never truly count out. It feels like once you've seen everything she has to offer, she'll do something new and embrace it. Like she's fully, clearly having a blast being with Bray and clearly coming up with such fun entertainment segments at the Firefly Funhouse and letting that sort of freak flag fly. So. I'm with you on that. Like again, she it's been a good standout year for her, even though we've not seen her massively much in the ring from what I can remember, but everything else. Uh, just just when she had the women's tag titles with Nikki Cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even then that was just the kind of fall with the fact that like she's turning to Bray and their friendship is basically imploding because of that. So yeah. it, it all served the purpose, but yeah, I agree. Absolutely brilliant. Um I think one particular highlight of the year I really thought was really wholesome and nice was when Becky Lynch announced their pregnancy. Yes. I really love this. So this was just like a nice little moment. Like I, I, I truly believe that when Asuka came out to the ring with Becky in it, that um, she had no no clue what was going to happen. I think that was uh, a, a well, secret thing. Becky Lynch, according mm-hmm. to Becky Lynch, the only people backstage who knew were obviously Seth Rollins and management no one else knew yeah so that makes total sense a lot apparently a lot of people were a bit confused why becky wasn't on money in the bank mm-hmm. obviously she couldn't wrestle on money in the bank because she was up the duff yeah yeah <laughs> no uh, like it makes total sense i mean you can tell by that segment that they clearly just told Asuka to go out there because she's basically in full character because i mean Asuka's kind of been to and fro. I mean, at this point, she was still sort of somewhat of a heel character, and this was kind of where it sort of switched the bit. So she's coming out yeah. doing a wacky dancing, you know, like clearly looking and thinking it was going to set up the feud. And then when she was issued the bell and the little lap around the ring, um, so I think I think that was a shock to her. But then the fact that like, you could just tell that she completely broke character when Becky, Becky said she was pregnant. Like, you could just tell yeah. by the look on her face and her reaction that like she just wasn't expecting that to come. I just thought it was yeah, a really was like lovely a little of, moment. <laughs> yeah, a look of genuine, like, happiness for Becky. Yeah, yeah, which, 100%. Which is, is nice to see, especially given... Um, the fact that they were had just come out of a feud, yeah, and that that that's what makes me think that she didn't know because they wanted to get that genuine reaction because that genuine reaction was what 
they, they could use to turn a face. Yeah, yeah. Which I think Asuka is another one of them wrestlers that it doesn't matter if they're face or heel, they're fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she was in my list of uh, uh, wrestlers I want to highlight from this year, but we kind of obviously went through a lot of people then, so I'd thought I'd just bring it up now because um, Asuka's been one of the strange ones where obviously she was like hugely dominant in NXT, and she is my favorite women's wrestler, like of all yeah. time. And um, the running the main roster's been very patchy. Like I felt like it's it's taken a good few years for it to finally reach where she should be on the main roster now. Like she's been. Yeah. Banyu as the champion. Um, she's been in some great feuds, and then moments like this just kind of highlight that there is a lot more to her than her just being like you know quite a wacky character, which she kind of is now, and she makes it work. I mean, you can't lie. Like, it's it's just over top to the point where it's fun. It's not like to the point where you just kind of roll your eyes at it. So, um, yeah, I just I just really love that little moment. It was just, it was a nice little wholesome thing right in the peak of the pandemic to kind of give you a bit bit of a bit of a nice uplifting boost and the warm fuzzy feels as my girlfriend likes yeah. to say <laughs> um only other things i'd just like to kind of highlight is obviously aw going from strength to strength um i think coming off the back of a good launch year it was probably going to be a bit of a make or break moment that they'd have to go straight into like a pandemic setup and they've probably done the best out of WWE. Like they had the right idea of immediately switching the hard cam, so you just saw the entrance ramp. Um, using fair enough, you can say what you want, but using their talent to at least fill out the be in the crowd kind of worked, and that actually led to like storylines being continued. It was quite fun. So you had the heels on one side, faces on the other. And then it's just to see them with their match quality, the pay-per-view quality, that they are really nipping at the heels of WWE I mean, the fact like they're up against NXT and they've more or less trounced them every week with the ratings and yeah. just like little things like I mean another thing I would probably say like it's like the way they use legends so the fact like you know WWE basically keeps legends signed just so they're not going anywhere else and they just won't do anything with them whereas AEW are like well no you can have these people on TV they don't have to wrestle put them in a managerial role, let them do promos. I mean, the fact, like, Sting's on there, and yeah. that was an amazing debut, and they're already doing all the right things with him. It seems like they're, they're going to try and get a match out of him, but they've already said they're going to do it as safely as they can, maybe cinematic. So they're going the right way with, like, how they use people like that. Yeah. Um, the thing with AEW, like you say, with the legends, like, one of my favourite legends in AEW is Jake the Snake. Yeah, yeah. Like, especially everyone knows, everyone who's seen the Jake the Snake documentary or listened to him on the Joe Rogan podcast know about his problems. But just to see him in that role, doing well, it just makes you, makes you happy if you grew up watching him. Because you can see that he's got his life back together. And I think that, that's a good thing because WWE never really highlighted that. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. AEW is like right well he is one of the most beloved heels in wrestling history got his <laughs> life back together and we're going to showcase him yeah no absolutely it feels to me right with WWE because it, it, you see a kind of lot of parallels with this when wrestlers reach that Hall of Fame level and they get in the Hall of Fame as much as I love it and it's a good chance to finally give them the spotlight it feels like once they're in there 
they're just kind of done with them. Like Sting had those matches, was forced into the retirement, did the Hall of Fame, and then was more or less not on TV at all. I don't think he actually really was following the Hall of Fame. It was just mainly used for like selling merch, doing meet and greets and things like that. And as much as that would still at least give him something to do, it's clear he wants to go out on TV and have a proper send-off. And I think AEW is going to be the place to give him that. And it seems like he's willing to stick around for a few more years and just be this like figure on TV that can still be doing cool promos, doing cool work. And if, if he does get back in the ring and he's fit for it, then I'm all for it. But as long as they work around it and they're not going to basically... I, they would never push him to do something that would cause him to be more hurt than he probably already is suffering through. So, no. again, they just have a lot of care for their, their talent. Um, so that was kind of the year that was 2020. Um, kind of looking forward then to the year to come. Uh, what would you like to kind of see coming through like the next year? Well, apart from fans coming back... Yeah, yeah, that, that's a given. I think live returns with fans only, if it's safe to do so, would be the main thing everyone yeah. wants to see. Yeah. But I think the main thing I'd want to see is more, more especially in WWE, a more varied main event card, upper mid card. Because mm-hmm. I think it, is, it has been the same faces for such a long time now. I think we need to get some new new blood in there. Especially, like, I don't know how many times WWE are going to try and get Baron Corbin into that main event scene. It's mm-hmm. it's clearly not working. The fans just don't respond to him the way they should. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got nothing against Baron Corbin. I think he's a, he's, he's a good wrestler. It's just, he doesn't really have that bit of oomph to get him into that main event scene mm-hmm. and so yeah a more varied upper, like main event upper mid card yeah yeah I agree um, I think WWE has that habit of like constantly relying on the same people and trying to push people who again not necessarily don't work it's just like that's not where they should be and I feel like they need to try and like on, on the one hand, the, the Vince picks out people, gives them a couple of weeks, and if nothing comes of it, abandons them. So I feel like he needs to put a bit more time and investment in some people. But at the same time, if, if it's something that he's tried time and time again, he needs to kind of let that rest for a while and then give it to someone new just to try and see if that would work. So I agree, like a bit more variety and a bit more experimentation could go a long way to helping them out, especially with... I'd say it's been still an entertaining year for the product. Um, it just feels like there's still a lot of things that they need to kind of fix, especially if they've got this new big competitor who's not only beaten their other more like popular brand, but even looking at some of the statistics, it feels like it's it's going to be beaten out like a lot of their mainstream shows in the time to come because then AEW just keep on climbing and more and more people keep getting turned on to the product because of how different and fresh it feels. Yeah, I think I think that's something that needs to happen though. Like AEW needs to get to the raw SmackDown level of viewership because I still I still don't think Vince takes it seriously. Yeah, he's probably thinking, ah, they're gonna they'll fold in two or three years. They can't sustain this. Yeah, yeah. But if they, if they get to the level of rivaling SmackDown for viewership. Yeah. So I think if they do rival SmackDown for viewership, they'll abandon Wednesday nights and they'll move to Fridays. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I agree. That's when Vince will start shitting his pants. Because <laughs> I, I, I think because of Cody being such a prominent fixture, not just in as a talent, but in a backstage role, mm-hmm. he'll know from what his dad told him and probably what his brother told him about how badly WCW was managed and avoided yeah. Yeah. walking straight straight into them traps. So, if anything, Vince needs to pull his finger out now. Yeah. It's gonna be, it'll be more difficult to get the, get viewership when AEW is doing well. I mean, look at WCW, beat them for, what was it, 83 consecutive weeks? Yeah, yeah, the big 83 weeks, yeah, yeah. And how hard it was. It took it took putting the title on Mick Foley, which is something Vince never wanted to do, <laughs> to get to beat WCW in the ratings. Well, I think I think with that you'll see the parallels here. Once Vince is back into a corner and sees if it does get to a point where AEW is completely smashing like Raw and SmackDown ratings. I think once he gets back in the corner, like he did in the nineties, that's when he will be more open to ideas and like what people can come with other than his own brain, because that was the big reason why people like Vince Russo were given so much control. Like say what you want about Russo, but he was at least the key reason why a lot of WWE's product turned around and went for that more edgy direction, which ultimately won them the war at the end of it. You know, so I think I think I think it, when when he realizes that this company isn't going away and that they are your new main competition and this is the first company since WCW to really kind of put the shits up WWE. Um, I think that's when we will sort of see more radical change within the company to kind of show because I think I think it will show that they're not iron tight. I think the fact that he's gone unopposed for over 20 years has kind of probably got to his head a bit about them being the only game in town and now we're kind of seeing that's not really the case. Yeah, and I think now, especially with YouTube and streaming services, it's going to be w, uh, AW, sorry, is just going to go from strength to strength because they're going to sign more people from the indies who have that more of a following because yeah. of because of the internet. Whereas if WWE just brought some randomer in from the performance center and put them in the main event. Mm-hmm. No one's going to care. No, no, I agree. I mean, you you already see it now. Like uh, WWE and AEW are the main two companies that have some pretty big bidding wars to get some of the hot new talent, as well as some of the more older established ones as well. Um, yeah. One of the big ones is is his name. I think he's shown up in NXT UK now. He's a Brit wrestler. He's a Ben Carter. He did a few matches on AEW, and it like. Like people were like amazed by him. He's like looking like he's going to be a future star of the business. And it was reported on that both AEW and WWE basically had a big kind of bidding war over like where he should go. And I think he's ultimately decided to end up in the NXT division. So it kind of shows that like there is already that competition there. Um, speaking of which, kind of my next thing I'd love to see out next year is the return of wrestling video games. <laughs> um, yes. I think I think one of the difficult things... I mean, say what you want about the WWE game series. It obviously had to go away after the train wreck. That was 2K20. But given that we're in the midst of a pandemic, it would have been nice to have a new wrestling video game that was really good to kind of keep us entertained. So 
the fact that the fact is though, like it's going to be good competition for WWE in that regard because AEW's new games obviously coming soon. They've announced that they've got another like show or maybe a teaser reel coming up on the thirtieth of this month. So it'll probably happened by the time this episode comes out. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what the shape of wrestling video games will be in 2021. Yeah, uh, hopefully WWE produce a good game because we know they can with no mercy and here comes the pain and yeah yeah even some of the early smackdown versus raw games and you can we know they can make a good game yeah yeah or help make a good game i can't say you're going to do much programming no 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 <laughs> um and, but yeah wwe they've got all the resources but the last couple of years if the last couple of years the games have gone a bit fifa for me that's the issue at large like they're not bad games it's just essentially it's like what fifa is a lot of times just a reskin with an updated roster like you might get the odd new feature here and there but when you look at the last five in particular it's there's nothing really new that stood out in any of them it's just kind of the same game that just slightly gets more improved yeah yeah, yeah. I, I like for, for me things like stuff like that in FIFA. I don't think people would really be that upset if they didn't release a game every year. Like if if they kind of like if they release one game, then maybe the following year they just release like a, a download with a fairly decent price tag just to give you new wrestlers and an updated roster. People would pay it. You know what I mean? Like, and th- that means they're still getting money for that product. It means. I, I mean, you, you could probably just put like a 30 quid price tag just to get an updated roster and maybe different attire and some new wrestlers and people would pay it and it would mean they could spend more time actually working on constantly improving the game. So like maybe set it to every two years just to give something new. I don't know. I mean, it, again, it's things like that just frustrate me, but I think having something like AEW is going to be good competition and it's not just them. Like there's a few other like more sort of independent wrestling games coming out over the next year there's quite a few in development from what i've seen so we could end up with like a whole host of good wrestling games coming out over the next year yeah wrestling video games definitely need to make a comeback i mean i did get 2k20 but i think i tried playing it maybe a maximum of five times i was like nah i can't be dealing with this yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't just for that with how buggy it was. It was just when you actually, again, even if the bugs weren't there, it was just basically a slightly newer version of 2K19. I, I always loved playing it for the roster editions because they added more of the U- NXT UK to the last one. But yeah, I, I just want to see them try and bring back some old modes. Like I think I think everyone wants GM mode. Like bring that back and we'll be very happy because you can sing so much time into that um, GM mode, a, a, a proper story mode for me yeah the, it was good because, to see career modes back but they weren't anywhere any pattern like how no, they used I to mean be like where you no i mean like where you pick a wrestler mm-hmm. and play a story with them okay yeah yeah not, yeah. not like that could be what did they change to the the showcase yeah yeah the showcase mode but like with an actual independent story not just the Undertaker's WrestleManias, <laughs> yeah. John Cena versus CM Punk. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. No, that that'd be really good. I, things like that. I mean, that can just go a long way to giving people some value out of the game. But I, I think, I think, hopefully, like the fact that they've had two years off now, and they did like right when the 
they announced that like you know they were taking a break not long after that they did a poll about what people would want to see so hopefully they're actually taking that information and trying to give the fans what they want out of it i think gm mode was like top of the list so i i imagine we'll see that coming but yeah hopefully they are going to take fans feedback on board and we'll get like something new and exciting especially now that we're in the next era of consoles as well so i feel like if they're going to come back they have to do something that is going to wow uh on these new systems to kind of see that next evolution so fingers crossed anyway yeah um only other thing i'd want to see coming in 2021 is the beginning beginning of the end for independent contractors so we discussed this in our unionization episode um WWE in particular sign their talent as independent contractors even though that awards none of their usual meaning and freedom attached to it. So uh, they, 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 if, they, if they're going to sign people they need to get rid of that independent thing and have them as actual employees because I, I learned recently that if you work for WWE say at like Titan Towers in like the office space for example you get health insurance, whereas the people who basically are the brand of WWE, the performers, do not get that. And that just seems like such yeah. a backwards thing. Again, with... The, like I think you said it in the unionization episode, it'll be cheaper in the long run for WWE to make the wrestlers employees because they could... If they pay the health insurance... Because they pay the... If a wrestler gets injured... During a match, WWE pay for that anywhere. Yeah, yeah. But if they just have them on standard health insurance, they won't have to pay a random excess, mm-hmm. or pay. Because obviously, a lot of people know about the cost of healthcare in America. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think I read one where a bloke, all he need he needed a something like a, a root canal, mm-hmm. and it was going to cost him ten thousand dollars. Oh yeah, in America. Yeah. But it was cheaper for him to fly to Mexico, get the surgery there, get a hotel for a couple of days, and then fly back <laughs> than it was to get it in America. No, it's so outrageous. I mean, they'll, like they'll be paying. Like let's say when John Cena tore his pec, that was probably a good hundred thousand dollars for surgery and rehab. Easily a yeah. hundred thousand dollars. So it'll be cheaper for them in the long run to get them health health insurance. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, American healthcare is so backwards. Like, um, I've heard from a few people and, and know of this. Um, so, obviously, here in the UK, like, like if a girl wants to get the morning after pill, that's effectively free, isn't it? You just have to get to yourself to, like, a boot or whatever and get to see one of their, like, little GPs and they'll sort that out for you. In America, if, if someone wants that, that, it's $60 a pill. Just for one. It's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's so stupid. And I think you're right. I mean, I think, I think one of the issues with getting healthcare for wrestlers is that it's really hard it used to be quite a hard thing for them because like obviously a lot of them had to sort out themselves back in the day but when when you go to a health insurance thing and say well what do you do for a living oh i'm i'm a, I'm a wrestler that it was really hard for them to get that but if, i think if wwe could maybe set it up with one company or even look into maybe setting up their own you know what i mean i don't know how it works yeah. you know I'm, I'm, I'm not that clued up like do you really have the resources to do it yeah, like if they just set up their own healthcare, like if they just had a pot of money that was effectively their healthcare program, that could that would sort out all the wrestlers quite nicely, I think. Like unless they had a yeah. massive year where a lot of people got injured, but I think he I think a few years ago, didn't he? Yeah, but I think even then a lot of the injuries aren't 
when some of them get injured, like obviously it's never good, but a lot of them aren't like to the point where it's like a John Cena needing a hundred grand to fix something like that. Sometimes it's just things where they can just rest for a few weeks and they'll come back fine. Um, but I still think they just need maybe just have to, if they just set up their own pot of money to give them to that as like their own kind of healthcare, that would at least be a start in the right direction. So at least they're giving them the benefits of it and not having to worry in case. Because the, the issue is, is like if they if they don't have any kind of healthcare written in their contract wwe can just turn around to them and say well right you need to pay for it obviously it seems like they will help them out for the most part but the fact is that is a big risk that they could just turn around and say well we're not going to pay that for you yeah they could turn around and say that but like like you say with little niggling injuries that they could just take a week or two off and just rest Mm -hmm. a lot of the a lot of people on the lower lower end contracts can't afford to do that yeah exactly that's the thing with it they don't have that that option if roman reigns or charlotte flair becky lynch say i had a even if it's something as minor as like say a sprained ankle Mm -hmm. they could afford to take two weeks off rest it up straight back to work whereas someone even someone like say chad gable if he had a sprained ankle and he'd take two weeks off. He couldn't afford to. He's wrestling mm-hmm. on a sprained ankle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely, man. I mean, the, uh, we won't go too heavy anyway because, like, again, it's it's still one. Even though we did a whole episode on it, it's still ripe for discussion. But I, I think I speak for a lot of people. Like, they need to sort of move away from this. And I think the big thing is now with that um, with Joe Biden in. There was that fellow. Was it Andrew Yang? I think he's called Andrew Yang. Yeah. Yeah, he he said he was going to make try and push some big waves about getting this brought to light in their government to kind of basically force WWE's hand to eventually sort of change that. So again, we'll see what happens in the next year to come. Yeah, again, he, he did say he has no problem with independent contractors. Yeah, but by definition of independent contractor, WWE's wrestlers are not independent contractors; they're employees. Yeah, it's that's Vince, the issue. Vince, yeah. Vince has found a loophole. Yeah, yeah. He's basically managed to find what is the easiest way for him to get these talents, but not award them the freedom that an independent contract would. Yeah. It's 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 a whole thing. But hopefully we'll we'll see that come to an end soon. Um Hopefully. Hopefully. Brilliant, mate. Well, I think that's gonna do it for us unless there's anything else you want to bring up. I don't think there's anything else I need to bring up. It's uh hope just hopefully twenty twenty one's a better year for both the world and the world of wrestling yeah yeah absolutely again it, it's been it's been a year of darkness and and the thing is like a lot of people have been saying online i'll roll on 2021 i think i think it's i think it's kind of not i don't want to put people down and saying like we're not out the darkness yet you know a lot of things from 2020 are going to roll over into 2021 but fingers crossed they will improve as the year goes on and we hope that if you've been having a hard year that things do improve and that you know, give it time, follow the rules, just keep calm about everything. Things should hopefully pick up soon. Hopefully, yes. Hopefully, yes. But yeah, thank you for tuning in for us again on um, this week. Uh, just to go through the plugs again, if you want to find us on Facebook and YouTube, that's the Bear Hug Club podcast, uh, Bear Hug Pod on Instagram, and Bear Hug Club on Twitter. Um, keep your eyes peeled. I mean, we're, like, we're already teased, we're, we're trying to got like lots of things planned for the coming year we're trying to sort of expand a little bit do some extra content so we'll see where we can go with that but we've got a few things in the fire shall we speak uh for the year to come so we'll hope to get that out as soon as possible 
All right, mate. Well, it's good chatting to you again. It's good to have you back, and I'll catch you soon. I'll see you soon, Paul. See you soon, and goodbye to our audience. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.